0: Welcome everyone. <laughs> Welcome to Holy Thursday at Providence Church. Uh, my name is Mark. It's good to be with you this evening. I'm really glad that you are here, that you've, you've chosen to take time out in the middle of this Holy Week to come and hear a really important story that's really at the heart of, of our faith. As you can tell by the candles and the low light, uh, tonight's going to be a little bit different maybe than some of our typical experiences here at Providence Church. Um, I'm guessing that a lot of you were here with us this last weekend when we celebrated Palm Sunday and we celebrated, like, with a celebration, the fact that Jesus rode into, into Jerusalem on a donkey and was hailed as the true king. Which might also remember this last Sunday, we also spent some time just sitting with the, um, the depth and the heaviness of what had happened here in our community the week prior. The, the shooting at the church school right here in our community that that left seven people uh, dead. And we kind of sat with that heaviness together as the community, and then yet somehow we were still able to go out into the the lawn and celebrate um, the coming of Easter and and look forward to to this next weekend as our kids hunted eggs in the lawn. And it was a beautiful time where we kind of held all of that together, right? So tonight we continue in that beautiful, difficult tension, to hear about the last two days of Jesus' life here on earth before the crucifixion. Like most of life, there were some things on those two days that were really great and some things on those two days that were really, really hard. So tonight we're going to worship, we're going to pray, we'll receive communion together, we'll hear the story of the crucifixion, and then at the end of our time together, these candles will all be put out in the telling of the story last part of his journey before the cross, and then we'll, we'll be sitting together in this quiet darkness like the tomb on, in which Jesus was laid. So we experience all of this tonight, all the while still knowing that Easter, resurrection is just around the corner, so we start there tonight with with praise to God. So I want to invite you to stand to your feet as you are able as we worship together. together. God, we thank you for this space and for this time in this season as we come towards the end of the season of Lent, as we've been anticipating Easter. God, we thank you for the story that brings us even here to this difficult place, this difficult story tonight. God, we remember recently talking about Jesus setting his face like stone towards Jerusalem, determined and resolute, and how every step that he took was for us, how everything that he did was for our sake and for the sake of the whole world. And so, God, we come with hearts that are uh, low in the occasion, but grateful that Jesus came for us. In his name we pray. Amen. Well, we are talking about these last two days in Jesus's earthly life. And to do that, I want to tell you about two different meals that took place um, on the Thursday, Jesus's last, last Thursday. And after, after I share, we're going to we'll come and have a time of communion. And then after that, we'll hear the story of uh, the, the end of Thursday and into Friday. And we'll get to walk through all of it together. But the two meals I want to tell you about were actually one meal that turned into two, and I'll explain what, what I mean by that. The, the first meal I want to tell you about is the Passover meal. You see, the Passover festival is why everybody was coming to Jerusalem. When, when Jesus rode in on a donkey on Palm Sunday, a lot of the people that were in the crowd had come from other places because they came every year to celebrate the Passover festival. If um, a, a lot of People that were were coming there were coming around for for this festival, which at the center of the festival was a meal, the Passover meal, and at the center of the Passover meal was a lamb, the Passover lamb. So Jesus, Jesus set the stage for his last meal with his disciples in this way. It says in Luke 22, "Then came the day of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed." Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. He's talking about the Passover meal. So what was, or what is, the Passover meal? It was a special feast to remember the time when God saved his people by allowing death to pass over their houses in Egypt. You can read all about it in Exodus chapter 12, diving into the story Uh, It was such an important moment in their story that they observed a yearly festival to make sure that they would remember God's salvation, God's faithfulness. So the table for the Passover meal was set up very strategically. Everything on the table had a purpose. It was there for, for a reason. It was telling the story. And to make sure that the story was told, because, you know, there's nothing worse than, like, having something that, you know, used to mean something. Like, there used to be a story to, to this, attached to this thing that you have, but you have, have forgotten, right? To make sure that the story was told, a child at the table was designated to ask particular questions. And all, all these questions were some form of the question, what makes this night different than all other nights? What is special about, about this occasion? Like, why do we do things the way that we're doing them? Why do we dip our food twice um, when normally we wouldn't dip our food at all? And, and why is everybody reclining at this Passover table when, when it, at other times some would be sitting, some would be reclining? Why do we do these things? The answers to the questions would be how subsequent generations would carry on the awareness of God's faithfulness. So, a kid might ask a question like this. Why do we only eat those bitter vegetables when there are a lot of other good options in the vegetable world that we normally would eat? (laughs) There were bitter herbs on the table that reminded them of the bitterness of their treatment in Egypt. If you remember, they were slaves when they were in Egypt at the time of the Passover. They were not in a healthy, good situation. But sometimes, in later days, they would forget, like we do, uh, the bitterness that they had left behind. So a kid might also ask the question, why do we have lamb on the table on this night? On the original Passover, A perfect lamb was sacrificed, and the blood of that lamb was placed over the doorposts of people's homes so that death would pass over that house. So there was lamb on the Passover table representing a sacrifice that led to life. A kid might ask, why do we eat unleavened bread on this night? The reason they had unleavened bread, like bread that hadn't raised yet, more like a cracker form, the reason that they, they had that is because once God's people had... Uh, had been passed over by death, they had to escape from Egypt, and they had to escape from Egypt into the wilderness on their way to the promised land. And the reason that, and they had to escape so quickly that they couldn't wait for the bread to rise. So their Passover bread was unleavened. So at every Passover meal, there's unleavened bread on the table. A kid at the table might ask, what does the wine represent at the table? There were three or four glasses of wine at the Passover table, each with significance to the story of salvation and redemption, the cup of blessing or praise, the cup of deliverance, the cup of redemption, each telling a different part of the story. And so they would ask these questions so they would remember. So this is the meal that Jesus and the disciples gathered around on Holy Thursday in an upper room, and Jesus had, had, had it all set up and, so the, and sent the disciples to go gather everything. In Luke it says, When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. Fulfillment of this meal in the kingdom of God, means the ultimate Passover by death for God's people, the redemption of every broken thing, including our sinful hearts. It means we will eat of this meal with Jesus when his kingdom comes. We pray about it all the time. We sing about it all the time. Oh Jesus, when your kingdom comes to earth, can you imagine sitting at that table with Jesus in his kingdom? One day, we won't have to imagine. Luke goes on, after taking the cup, the the first cup, Jesus gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among you, for I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And then, this is when he creates the second meal. I told you we're talking about two meals. This is when Jesus turns it into something else what we call the Last Supper, the Lord's Supper, Holy Communion. Watch how it flows out of the Passover meal. And he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you, do this in remembrance of me. This was not a part of the Passover ritual, this was something different. This this word that Jesus said in remembrance is more than like recall a a time long ago (laughs) when this thing happened, right? But rather he is saying, come back to this table every time. Like spiritually, come back to this table every time. Bring the members of the community of Christ back together when you break bread. My body is broken for you. And Jesus is present with us every time we break bread the bread we come back to this table in the same way after the supper he took the cup saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood which is poured out for you most scholars would say that the cup of the new covenant that jesus was talking about was also the passover cup of redemption the blood of the lamb who saves so the kid asked why do we take the cup The kid at our table would ask this question, because through the blood of Jesus, we are redeemed. There's one more bit of this Thursday story that I want to share with you. It would be easy to leave it out, but it actually kind of serves as a bridge to Friday and really to our acceptance of our own salvation. Jesus went on and said, But the hand of him who is going to betray me is with mine on the table. The Son of Man will go as it has been decreed, but woe to the man who betrays him. They began to question among themselves which of them it might be who would do this. Another part of what happened on this night, you read in other accounts of the story, is that Jesus stooped down as a servant and washed the disciples' feet. He served. As they argued about who was the greatest, he was stooping down and showing them how to be the greatest. And with him at that table was Judas, one of his own disciples, one of those who had been with him through everything, one of those who had witnessed the miracles, who had heard the teachings. He was the one who would betray. So the little kid at our table might should ask the question, why would Jesus sit down with the one who would betray him? Why would he share in the Passover with the one who would betray him, leading to his death on the cross? The answer is not just about Judas. It's about us. The answer to the question is because in order for God to redeem us, he had to come face to face with our brokenness. No other king, no other little G God that the world looks for uh, to, to for rescue shows up. This is the God who shows up in our brokenness, in our darkness, in the worst night ever. Our God put on flesh for us. So that's where this meal brings us as we come to the table of communion. It brings us face to face with Jesus, face to face with our Savior. In it is our redemption. So before we come to communion, let me ask this question. Hopefully you're asking it. What makes this meal different than any other meal? And the answer is Jesus the sacrificial lamb, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. As we come and approach the table of communion, we'll have broken bread, and we'll have, have juice of the vine as well as we, as we remember, but also come back to the table where Jesus called his disciples and sat with them face to face. And so in just a moment, after we pray together, I'm going to invite you to, to come, fully expecting to see Jesus face to face know that he has come to us to bring us rescue, to bring us into the story of the redemption of God's people. I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me. The words will be on the screen, words that I'll ask you to say will be in bold. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Holy are you, and blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ. When we turned aside from your way and abused your gifts, you gave us in him your crowning gift, emptying himself that our joy might be full. He fed the hungry, healed the sick, ate with the scorned and forgotten, washed his disciples' feet, and gave a holy meal as a pledge of his abiding presence. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Say with me, Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. Oh God, we pray that you would pour out your Holy Spirit on these gifts of bread and juice. Make them be for us the body and the blood of Christ. And our, our minds and our hearts are centered on, on remembering the meal in the upper room, the Passover meal that turned into a meal that was for us and for the whole world to be able to receive and encounter Jesus. May we be encountered by him. May we see him in the bread and in the juice. In his name we pray. Amen. I want to invite our communion servers to come forward and to uh, to cleanse your hands and prepare. We'll have uh, ushers who will will guide you forward to receive, uh, again, a piece of bread and a cup of juice. You can take that back to your seat and receive it there. And if you would like to be served in your seat, if you'll just let the usher know as they come by, we would be happy to, to serve you there. Come to the table of the Lord.
1: Oh stretch them out in your hands you'll turn them into joy come the morning
0: So now we'll pick up the story where Jesus and the disciples left the upper room and went to the garden of Gethsemane that Jenny just sang about. And the story we'll pick up from there. And as we hear different parts of the story, a candle will be extinguished, um, every, every little bit of, of the story, until at the end, the Christ candle right here in the center will be extinguished. And we're just gonna sit for a moment. We'll, we'll hold that, that darkness together uh, for just, just a moment. Um, and we'll have uh, one one more song together before we head out and into the the darkness of this night
2: oh, say we
3: Jesus went forth with his disciples across the Kidron Valley, where there was a garden, which he and his disciples entered. Now Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. So Judas, procuring a band of soldiers and some officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees, went there with lanterns and torches and weapons. Then Jesus, knowing all that was to befall him, came forward and said to them, Whom do you seek? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. When he said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Again he asked them, Whom do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he, so if you seek me, let these men go. This was to fulfill the word which he had spoken. I did not lose a single one of those whom you gave me. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's slave and cut off his right ear. The slave's name was Malchus. Jesus said to Peter, "'Put your sword into its sheath. "'Shall I not drink the cup which the Father has given me?'
4: "'So the band of soldiers and their captain "'and the officers of the Judean authorities "'seized Jesus and bound him. First, they led him to Annas, "'for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas.' who was high priest that year. It was Caiaphas who had given counsel to the religious authorities that it was expedient that one man should die for the people.
3: Simon Peter followed Jesus and so did another disciple. As this disciple was known to the high priest, he entered the court of the high priest along with Jesus while Peter stood outside at the door. So the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to the woman who guarded the gate and brought Peter in. The woman who guarded the gate said to Peter, are not you also one of this man's disciples? He said, I am not. Now the servants and officers had made a charcoal fire because it was cold, and they were standing and warming themselves. Peter also was with them, standing and warming himself.
4: The high priest then questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. Jesus answered him, "'I have spoken openly to the world. "'I have always taught in synagogues and in the temple "'where all Jewish people come together. "'I have said nothing secretly.' Why do you ask me? Ask those who have heard me what I said to them. They know what I said. When he had said this, one of the officers standing by struck Jesus with his hand, saying, Is that how you answer the high priest? Jesus answered him, If I have spoken wrongly, bear witness to the wrong. But if I have spoken rightly, why do you strike me? Annas then sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest.
3: Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. They said to him, Are not you also one of his disciples? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, a kinsman of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, Did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter again denied it, and at once the cock crowed.
4: Then they led Jesus from the house of Caiaphas to Pilate's headquarters. It was early. They themselves did not enter the headquarters so that they might not be defiled, but might eat the Passover. So Pilate went out to them and said, what accusation do you bring against this man? They answered him, if this man were not an evildoer, we would not have handed him over. Pilate said to them, take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. The religious authorities said to him, It is not lawful for us to put any man to death. This was to fulfill the word which Jesus had spoken to show by what death he was to die.
3: Pilate entered the headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, do you say this of your own accord or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, my kingship is not of this world. If my kingship were of this world, my servants would fight that I might not be handed over to the religious authorities, but my kingship is not from the world. Pilate said to him, so you are a king. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. For this I was born, and for this I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate said to him, what is truth?
4: After Pilate had said this, he went to the religious authorities again and told them, I find no crime in him, but you have a custom that I should release one man for you at the Passover. Will you have me release for you the king of the Jews? They cried out again, not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber.
3: Then Pilate took Jesus and scourged him, and the soldiers plaited a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed him in a purple robe. They came up to him saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and struck him with their hands. Pilate went out again and said to them, See, I am bringing him out to you that you may know that I find no crime in him. So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, behold the man. When the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out, crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no crime in him. The religious authorities answered him, we have a law, and by that law he ought to die, because he has made himself the son of God. When Pilate heard these words, he was the more afraid. He entered the headquarters again and said to Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave no answer. Pilate therefore said to him, You will not speak to me? Do you not know that I have the power to release you and power to crucify you? Jesus answered him, You would have no power over me unless it had been given you from above. Therefore, he who delivered me to you has the greater sin.
4: Upon this, Pilate sought to release him, but the religious authorities cried out, If you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king sets himself against Caesar." When Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judgment seat at a place called the pavement, and in Hebrew, Gabbatha. Now it was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about the sixth hour. He said to the religious authorities, Behold your king. They cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. They handed him over to them to be crucified.
3: So they took Jesus and he went out, bearing his own cross, to the place called the Place of the Skull, which is called in Hebrew Golgotha. There they crucified him and with him two others, one on either side, and Jesus between them. Pilate also wrote a title and put it on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Judeans read this title, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Hebrew, in Latin, and in Greek. The Jewish chief priests then said to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews. But this man said, I am the king of the Jews, Pilate answered. What I have written, I have written.
4: When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and made four parts, one for each soldier, also his tunic. But the tunic was without seam, woven from top to bottom. So they said to one another, Let us not tear it, but cast lots for it, to see whose it shall be. This was to fulfill the scripture. They parted my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A bowl full of vinegar stood there, so they put a sponge full of the vinegar on hyssop and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit.
3: Since it was the day, since it was the day of preparation, in order to prevent the bodies from remaining on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high day, the religious authorities asked Pilate that their legs might be broken, and that they might be taken away. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who had been crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus, and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once there came out blood and water. He who saw it has borne witness. His testimony is true, and he knows that he tells the truth that you also may believe. For these things took place that the scripture might be fulfilled. Not a bone of him shall be broken. And again, another scripture says, they shall look on him whom they have pierced.
4: After this, after this, Joseph of Arimathea who was a disciple of Jesus but secretly, for fear of the religious authorities, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him leave. So he came and took away his body. Nicodemus also, who had at first come to him by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pounds weight. They took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen cloths with the spices as is the burial custom of the Jews. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb where no one had ever been laid. So because of the Jewish day of preparation, as the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there.
0: Invite you to hold hold this darkness. We have a couple of days ahead of us where we remember this part of the story, and we are with Jesus. Jesus with, is with us in the darkness, and we look to the light together. Tonight I'll invite you to go with this benediction. May Jesus Christ, who for our sake became obedient unto death, even death on a cross, keep you and strengthen you this night and forever.